by alone inside. He's got the breakaway with the touch to the right. Go! Your Minneapolis City Soccer Club, brought to you by Summit Brewing Company. Welcome back to the People's Pitch, coming at you from Baby Town. It is time to get down. This is the People's Pitch podcast, the official podcast of Minneapolis City Soccer Club. I am Nate, joined by John, and I am back. We are back after, um, we'll call it paternity leave for me john <laughs> thank you for keeping the show going thanks to adam and matt for uh for filling in uh who knew having a baby was so hard right yeah i mean hey it happens right yeah <laughs> yeah whatever it's a circle of life right that's right that's right <laughs> uh this week we uh <clears throat> we were asked to bring back the old granddad rant so we're gonna do that on a hot button, hot button topic here in these United States. Uh, guys, this past past week started to bless the NCAA tourney with their presence and continue on. So we will talk about that. And the annual owners meeting was this past weekend in Nash Vegas. We sent Adam down there, so we will cover again what that meeting is. We sent Adam <laughs> Pribble down there. We trusted him with that. Yeah, I, I call it Smashville. Oh, Smash, <laughs> Smashville, that's great. So we'll, we'll check out what that meeting is, what it's not, and uh, we'll catch you up on some key takeaways that the people need to know about. And then we're going to end things off with an update on how the first open trial went. Let's do it. Well, first off, Nate, welcome back, dude. Oh, I thank mean, you. I, I missed you so much. Uh, and not to say that Adam and Matt did not do a fantastic job. Uh, I gave them the hardest part, which was the closing. And it was just comical for me because <laughs> I know how hard it is, especially if you're drinking a little bit or doing this. Like, yep. it's, just, it's just a tongue twister every time we do it. So I gave them the, it, so I'm, I'm glad to have you back. Uh, they did a fantastic job. Thank you so much to those guys. Um, and, but congrats on the new addition to your family. I'm glad to hear, you know, we, uh, we were catching up beforehand i'm glad to hear that things are going well with uh with the wife and the baby and you know you have you haven't gone out for a pack of smokes and never come back yet no so that's, yet. <laughs> so, so it's uh it, it's good to uh to hear that so so let's dive in and and real quickly before we do dive in um the person who asked for the old granddad rant i got a lot of old granddad in me so it's gonna be good <laughs> i better get i better start first man uh i will go first the league of nations cup matches between the United States and Canada and Cuba uh, just ended tonight. And it feels like that means it's the perfect time to talk about just what the hell is happening with this team of ours. The <laughs> oh, man. Team. oh uh, man. Our official unofficial content manager, Bryn asked for this old granddad rant. So uh, I'm sure each of us, John have topics, have thoughts on this topic, um, <laughs> especially given that split result of the Canadian home and away. So we can both chime in here. I will go first. It'll uh, be a little bit of overlap. I'll, I'll caveat that now, sure. but we each get we each get our 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 soapbox. So let's let's do it. All right, man. So in what seems to be just six short years, we have seen this team go from what feels like a gritty group of the best players that the United States had the United States had to offer, you know, scrapping it out in the World wow. Cup 
I believe that we will win like that kind of a thing. Right. And now we're this ever fluctuating like roster experiment made up of a who's who of America's next great hope for soccer, like a revolving door of, of the next, the next big thing. And, mm-hmm. and instead of like fighting hard against Portugal or bringing the heat against regional rivals like Mexico, we have, we're suddenly found this team that now struggles to like show up against a cadre of MLS roster filler bait um, that are, that is our neighbors to the North in Canada. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty sad. And here's like, <laughs> the problem is, is that doesn't, instead of being able to line up against Portugal, instead of being able to line up competitively against Mexico or any, any, you know, any team like that as our loss to like Trinidad and Tobago shows our loss to Canada, th- we, we have this new, like, tiny little Sebastian sized stature in international soccer. Suddenly we're not very, very well respected. I'm getting the feeling guys like Matt Turner are getting called up to camp because coaches in real leagues won't release their real players to take part in old Greg's exercise in futility. I think it seems like we're really at the point now where soccer pundits are forced to debate what the new England revolution's second string goalkeeper can offer uh, the U S men's national team. And that is what the fuck that is sad <laughs> as hell. Uh, <laughs> I mean, ideally, right. We would be, we, we, we would be able to trot out a whole team of guys like Turner and Lovitz and Legit and Zardis against Canada without any worry. Cause you know, like Hokeem Lowe doesn't really stress if Neuer or Timo Warner aren't available for the team. He's got guys that he can plug in from all over Germany and be fine against like Liechtenstein. But us, we're at the point where we need these wins against the teams like Liechtenstein, the teams like Canada and Cuba, because no win against better talent, even with access to our best players is guaranteed. So we got to get the W's where we can. And, uh, and how we can. And how we can, exactly. I think the U- the U.S., John, in, in my mind, needs to start playing its best players, its younger players, its dynamic players together in a system that works for them. You saw today against Cuba, it's not like it's any sort of... Um, it's not like it's any sort of bellwether, but all of a sudden Jordan Morris goes off for two goals. That's his third goal in two games. That's nice. Um, Josh Sargent with two goals, one right in the first minute. Like These are the guys that we need to be hanging our hats on. Um Guys like and Greg has to work on getting getting the trust of all the other coaches in the big leagues so that we can get guys like Pulisic to come back, so that Zach Steffen can come back, things like that. I know Pulisic has a knock right now, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Like we need to be able to we need to be able to get that core of players that we're gonna be building on together more frequently. Cause it's it sucks watching guys like Pulisic and McKenney like struggle to play with a guy like Roldan or Legette in a system that stifles talent and elevates mediocrity. Like they're basically on islands out there. And and if we can't do that, if we can't pull our best players together all at once consistently and win, then you got to can the coach. You got to get it out of there and you got to get the next guy up who's going to just start playing our best prospects all together consistently so we can start planning for, sorry to say, 2026. Old granddad rant, Nate Morales. Yeah. Love it. Uh, okay, my turn. Yeah. Um, yeah are you ready? <laughs> uh, okay, what the fuck are we doing? Seriously. Like, what are we trying to accomplish? Because it's not getting better quality in for a World Cup 
and and then not getting us better to compete in a World Cup. It, it's it, it's it's you mentioned it. It's, mm-hmm. it's just getting us in to a World Cup is like now the goal instead of us actually competing yeah. in one. And we're it's in like, it. Then what? You think Nick Lima is going to do anything against any any of these guys that play in Europe? Right. Uh, you know, and God bless him, Reggie Cannon. Come on. Like, <laughs> so uh, where do I start? Well, let's go back to 2002. So in 2002 World Cup, with a mix of the best players in the early days of the MLS, um, players playing in Europe or Mexico for, for club, and, and most of them being under the age of 30, we took the tourney by storm. Nate, by fucking storm, where we were really established that where we really established the formula of advancing with a convincing win, a lackluster draw, and a loss. So the one win, one tie, one loss. We figured out that gets us into the next round. Um, you know, and then what we what we had was in that World Cup a win versus Portugal, a side that had people like uh, like Figo and you know like a good quality Portugal side. We drew against the eventual fourth place team in host South Korea, and then our loss came in three uh, to a three to one loss to Poland, which is like yeah whatever. We were already basically in at that point. Then we wrecked a top ten team in the world in Mexico uh, before being a handball away versus the eventual runner up in Germany. So if you boil that down, we played two top 10 teams in the world, in the whole fucking world. And, and we performed against them. Mm-hmm. And then two of the last four teams in the entire world cup. So what the fuck <laughs> from that point, it was supposed to be where we as a country took off into a, the realm of the world soccer powers. Like we were on a trajectory to the top baby. Um, and then, we had a young and thriving league in the MLS, whether you liked it or not at that time. We with uh, with big names that were coming over from Europe, young stars like the Beasleys and Donovans of the world. We had a federation totally cued in to the needs of those players that we were bringing in that, that were younger, under 30, and the coaching staff to be very successful. There was decent success from a player identification uh, standpoint in the Olympic development program at that time, we were getting more and more young players playing the game in the country. So what followed that a series of missteps by the Federation hierarchy, a closed system of play, no pro relegation um, an underdeveloped secondary professional market for players in that closed system, the NASLs, the USLs, the PDLs, the MPSLs that we're in um, an unwillingness or sorry, um, uh, an over-dependency on an already broken NCAA system, an unwillingness for soccer players to sign and develop our players um, after um, too many failed attempts, a relentless dedication to hard tactics versus uh, advancing a style of play that drew on for almost a full decade um, that made that 2020 team basically a total afterthought. That, so that's that's where we were, Okay as a group after a brief brief uptick in, in, in some coming years after that um, the, the hire of what I feel like him or not was the right coach to lead our teams into battle at the world's biggest stages in Bob Bradley, you know, hate me for what I just said or not. Bob Bradley was the, was the person who was in charge at that time and actually performing with, with the team that he had. And then another batch of very talented young players that have grown their games abroad we looked to have that course totally corrected, but that's when the Federation, you know, 
was given to an economics person, not a soccer guy in Sunil Gulati. Um, and then he got engaged in the worst domestic partnership in the history of male on male relationships with Don Garber and a mistress that, that they both cheated on each other with called some soccer United marketing. This trident of horseshit individuals to a pile of slightly melded clay that was successful and turned it into a kindergarten art project that you toss away in the garbage before you're, when your kid brings it home before they even recognize it. So total just jackassery fucked all the four momentum up. And, and then the reboot of it with Bob Bradley. So what happens next, John? Thanks for asking, Nate. Yeah. Well, these fucking assholes in charge <laughs> broke the system to a point where they hired a former player in Ernie Stewart, who in his own right was a quality player on the pitch, but then talked his way into big director roles in Holland for some of the biggest teams in Holland from a club perspective, but then left each of those roles right before it was found out that he was, he, he talked a big game versus being able to execute on what he talked about. So what did he do next? You ask great question, Nate. He said this statement, which was the beginning of the end, in my opinion, for soccer up to now, he said, one ambition I do have is to go back to the United States and be, and to be an importance to U S soccer. Boy, was that a fucking <laughs> bad move. Since taking the sporting director job with the U.S., he said all the right things but but made a really bad mistake. The hiring of a coach with, a, with big ideas but not able to fully understand what is actually needed and what to do with the players that we had at our disposal. Instead, we have a coach who is teaching a system of style of play that is predicated on high-press defense that may work at the club level with 10 high quality players who train daily together mm -hmm. and a system of offensive play. They're supposed to be possession based <clears throat> where that possession starts with a goddamn goalkeeper. It does not work. <laughs> We've inserted talented young players year after year into this system that are, that, that are really encouraging and I have really high hopes for them, but even the best we have, uh, look lost and unmotivated to fight for the badge and the country, which yeah. is what we used to do. <clears throat> I continue. <laughs> it is depressing and it makes 2020 soccer fans and players on that 2020 team and anyone with a decent soccer brain uh, to run straight for the bottle to cope with this goddamn disaster. <clears throat> I continue. <laughs> <clears throat> it was time to scrap the whole damn thing and close the doors for two years to get back our identity. That what really what made us successful back in, in 2002 instead we were tricked into thinking that there was hope, <clears throat> hope, big word, hope. Mm -hmm. uh, but we are still trotting out Giassi fucking Zardes and asking Brad Guzon, fucking Brad Guzon, to play with his feet to start our attack. Plus, we let our best coach in the system, in my opinion, in Tab Ramos, who had the U20s playing a super attractive, effective 4-3-3 style, to go coach the Houston fucking Dynamo. God damn it. Why? <laughs> I could go on and on for days about this garbage. Um, I have pride in our national team. I will support them through thick and thin. I watch all the games. I support them. I get frustrated. I celebrate their successes as, as anyone. But until our federation, which is currently in a lawsuit with our most successful team in the federation, gets blown apart and rebuilt, we're going to be stuck in this world of nepotism, backdoor dealings, and the elevation of people who have no business being involved in the team or in the direction of a team. I am done for now, Nate. Yes. I need I need another drink. There you go, Bryn. There was my rant. I hope you enjoyed it. John, I want to add one thing that is it I just want to pick your brain here. 
is it possible? Like you, you brought up this like trifecta of Gulati and Garber and <laughs> and Soccer United marketing. Is it? I possible? believe I called it the the trident of assholes. Yes. <laughs> is U.S. soccer okay with U.S. the U.S. men's national team being mediocre? Like, are they okay with? scrapping it out just to get out of the out of the hex and hopefully make a world cup once in a while like would they rather make money with mls and the caliber of player that plays in the mls which as we've seen by and large is not a world cup caliber player are they are they comfortable like selling that lie that that is quality soccer to the american public and 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 I say that because if you start elevating enough players that play abroad, start elevating enough politics and, and sergeants and stuff and <coughs> things like that, suddenly the American soccer fan that sees these guys playing and doing really good will look at the team that they've got in their backyard and be like, hey, how come how come they don't have that? Right? Like, is it is it sort of like uh, are we trying to sell the American people on on a less qual- lesser quality soccer just to to keep them go, coming to, you know, go see Real Salt Lake play. We used to have lesser quality soccer that was performing at a high level. And what I mean by that is we had a bunch of tryhards that had decent enough soccer talent to be able to perform at, at a certain, to a certain extent against the likes of Germany and England. And, you know, we, we, we kept, we, we beat Spain, we beat Brazil with these tryhards so we were okay in the past with being all right with mediocrity because we knew what we had, but we knew what we, what those other countries didn't have. And that was fantastic athletes that can go 120 minutes if the game goes into overtime and they'll fight like hell, they'll scrap like hell. And, and then maybe we'll get a goal and it'll put us over the top. But instead we put the trust in soccer United marketing to run our federation basically. And I I challenge anyone to just go in the depths of the internet and find out what this organization really does and how they're connected to soccer. Because in my opinion, it it is all revolving around the almighty dollar. Yeah. Soccer United marketing is basically saying MLS and U S national soccer federation are tied together. And what I mean by that is they basically run each other. And it goes down all the way to the depths of having the cupcake camp in January where we just trot out a bunch of U.S. guys into a camp that is all, you know, domestic-based players that none of the European guys are, are there. And these guys should never touch the goddamn field. Maybe maybe 10% of them should touch the field. But then it's like, oh, we're having this MLS-only camp. Who gives a fuck? Like, you said it best. We should have day in and day out whenever there's an international break – our best players playing together yes. and they should, and they should be playing together from 17 to the full national team. Mm-hmm. Like we don't need to be bringing in these afterthoughts, these also rants to just put a camp together. Yep. Just to fill the spreadsheet. We should be playing our best players every time they put on the red, white, and blue against no matter who the fuck it is. If it's, if it's Canada, Trinidad and Tobago, if it's Cuba, we should be rolling teams like that. Eight, nine, nothing, because we have that we have our best players out there. But instead, we're trotting out random guys who have no business being there. Like if I have to see Jesse's artist play in another meaningful match, I'm gonna fucking go nuts. <laughs> but it's all based around the dollar. So as long as people keep going to the US national team games and some starts getting money, and then 
MLS is also profitable in the eyes of some, and it's a franchise-based model. It's going to be the same shit, mm-hmm. and it's going to have to take a catastrophic another opportunity for us to not make a World Cup for them to actually be like, we didn't make two World Cups. Like Spain, Germany, England, France, Belgium, all the the soccer superpowers of the world all have one point. Holland have not made a World Cup, so and that's a. And that's, and okay. that's okay. I'm going to ask that's you something okay. real quick. Yeah. Who would be the ones to speak up or to like lead some sort of revolution? Because I'm going to tell you, John, it's not the MLS fans. If we don't make the 2020 world cup, Portland Timbers are still going to sell out their games. Yeah. yeah Seattle's still going to sell out their games. Yep. Minnesota United is still going to sell out their games. Even if they trot out uh, what I felt was a, the th- in the three-year plan, and if you can't see me, I'm doing the finger quotes. In the three-year plan, we had a we have a beautiful new stadium. the The mystique of that stadium is going to wear out real fast if we don't start winning a title. And this year was our year to do it in the three-year plan, and we didn't do it because we created. <laughs> oh man, I, I can I can go let's into not, this pretty Let's deep. not change the subject, but I think that in general, you and I are aligned. This is like if 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 U.S. soccer keeps. ML- money over the MLS fan is not the one to help the change. Yep. It's the it's it's the it's the Sam's army. It's the American outlaws. Mm-hmm. It's the family of four who's going to go take their kids to a game. It's 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 them. It's the women's team to to shake up the federation the way they're doing to 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 get people understanding that regardless of gender, high quality soccer within gender boundaries is still high quality soccer. Um, and a great example of it is, is when you went to the, to the, the women's game that was here at Allianz and you, I didn't go and you told me how much the ticket prices were. And then I did my research on it and I looked at it. I think we talked about it on the podcast too. And I really looked into it at a deeper level. And I saw that what they were basically doing was the Federation was capitalizing on the success of people that were in a lawsuit with them who performed at the highest level. They were capitalizing on that family of four. They were capitalizing on the supporters groups to go to that game and pay premium dollar above and beyond what the men actually charged to bring a gold cup game in. And they thought that that was okay. Yeah. Like our federation's fucking broken, dude. Like (laughs) that, that just put me over the top. So it's going to take us not making another world cup for People to start not going to games. I mean, even I hit the game in 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 Cuba tonight. Although it was played at a high school that was not even <laughs> not even better than the barnyard that we played at our first year. That aside, there was what twenty five people in the stands. It did not look like a lot of people, but it was Cuba. <laughs> I know, but if you but if you go back and back take Cuba as a country out of the equation, you go to the Trinidad's, the Honduras's, yeah. those places are fucking packed because they don't want to lose to what's supposed to be the best team in the Federation. But well, even that we'll we'll end it on this that speaking of Honduras, and it's you hate to say it, the next big test for the US men's national team is gonna be Honduras. Real Salt Lake. <laughs> Honduras in yeah. the uh, Nations League semifinal in June. So, also the creation of the Nations League is a whole another thing I'd like to talk about at some point because it's a <laughs> bunch of bullshit. It if, really is. If you ever thought that you would hear about the U.S. men's national team, that the next big test was the nation of Honduras, we're here. 
And that's all you need to say about that. Anyways, maybe we'll we'll revisit this topic on another show. Yeah. But uh, there you go, there you go, Bryn. It's a good you, rant. You got hopefully you got what you asked for. Well, John, it's already uh, it's already been a long off season. But while we fans are stuck without city to watch, some of the players they're going strong, man. They're excelling yep. at school at their school, excelling with their school teams, and helping them to the playoffs. Uh, you are tasked as your job with your job with the club, with keeping your ear to the tracks and staying abreast of what's going on with our guys during their college seasons. Can you give us an update on who is playing some playoff soccer in the NCAA? Well, a couple of these names will be pretty familiar because um, on the show that uh, I did with Adam, we talked a little city at school. We oh, talked yeah. about two guys that were performing. Um, it's actually quite a long list of players, Nate, with uh, which is a testament of the talent that we work with. Um, it helps elevate their their school teams when they they go back to them, um, and and then it helps them, you know, elevate elevate the squads that they're part of. So um, hats off to the coaching staff, obviously that uh, that works with these guys in the summer, keeps them fresh. Maybe uh, the the quality and the caliber of play that we provide within City is, is helping these guys um, be, then be able to dominate lower level talent um, or um, other levels of high talent that they might come up uh, up against. But from a Division three level perspective, we saw just really tough North Park team in Illinois. Um, Ben Keller, who we also mentioned on that show with, uh, with, with, uh, Adam Pribble, uh, at Luther college, they topped UW superior, um, who has quite a slew of, of Minneapolis city under 23 players on it in Miguel Ocampo, AJ Olson, Archie Jeardrum, Esteban Badillo, um, to reach the sweet 16. So Luther is the only team Nate, that is, um, currently has city members that's left in the division three tournament. Uh, you know, not, not, a. Division three is not really what the average person is going to follow or really, really know about, but that Luther squad is really good. And they're really good because of Ben Keller. Yep. Uh, he is, he is dominating uh, for them and it's hopefully we can pull some, uh, some more talent out of that. I mean, that's where miles uh, miles Norville came from, right? Like this Luther yeah. Luther pipeline, if, if they can keep developing talent uh, would be really, really good for the club. Yeah, absolutely. And then if you go to the Division One ranks, um, Division One is just getting underway from a tournament perspective. And we, again, have lots of crows in the mix. Mike Riley at Loyola entered uh, the tourney field with an automatic bid, winning the Missouri Valley Conference title. They were, I believe, a lower seed, and they uh, they went on a good run there. That's Loyola um, in Chicago. Yep, Loyola in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rory O'Driscoll and Eli Goldman uh, at New Hampshire won their uh, second of back-to-back American East titles. They get the automatic bid there. And then finally, uh, Jake Swellen of Wake Forest got an at-large bid out of the ACC tournament with a pretty impressive 13 wins, four draws, and two losses um, within a, a very difficult ACC. Um, so they got the at-large bid there. Nice. Yeah, I think um, you know if you're going to follow a team – uh, the first, you know, New Hampshire has a really favorable matchup to start. Yeah, I would say so. And and Rory O'Driscoll's been starting, so yeah. So that would be that would be good to keep an eye out on. That might be a fun game to watch. Uh, all in all, it's good to see these guys moving on and succeeding at a high level in, in college. That's something that we've always hoped that Minneapolis City players would do as we, you know, kind of grow that talent level locally, and hopefully they come back and continue to grow the club talent level. Uh, in the NPSL. Well, what I must say, you know, to, to kind of close the loop on this topic is, you know, from a recruiting perspective, there's quite a few more 
players that we're going to be bringing in for trials that are in Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three national champ or uh, national tournament uh, on, on national tournament teams. So there could be an even more increased level of of crows if if, uh, if there's a a proper fit for both both sides. Um, when these players come back in and try out, that could be also mentioned in this that that I have to note as well. Very sweet, very sweet. Uh, was it this time last year already, John, that you and I were rubbing <laughs> elbows and passing the Boozfield duck around between some of the, some of the coolest owners in the NPSL? Uh, it was. Uh, hell yeah, man. It was a year ago uh, when, for some stupid reason, the MPSL bit on our joke to host <laughs> a warm weather desired meeting in negative five degree Minnesota, those suckers. Um, so, and also for the record, when I went to the, the U.S. Gold Cup game that I mentioned previously um, at Allianz with my dad this past summer, I went to the same bar that we went to yeah. uh, with, with those, those folks. And I, uh, I, I bonged a, a beer out of the same duck in honor of that, uh, that fateful night a year ago. I love it. I love it. So John, if people aren't familiar, what are the NPSL owner meetings and why should Minneapolis city fans care about what goes on at them? Honestly, fans really could care less about the mean <laughs> as it truly is a chance really just for all of the, the 90 plus owners to get in a room together, listen to kind of the state of the state of the league, um, talk about rule changes, some key, some keynote speakers, talk about the budget. And then they just kind of paint the town, whatever color their teams are that night. <laughs> but the, the, the important thing to really note is that the league is in a decent financial standing, which is good to hear. Um, that I think we're under a leadership that's, that's recently changed from, uh, the, the old guard that we did have um, that's kind of in it for the right reasons in U.S. soccer. And, th- and they're letting people like us be who we want to be as a club in order to compete in, the, in this national league. So, no, uh, we didn't get the boot for being weirdos this year from the league. So there's that. Um, we also learn, you know, who the new teams are, in, um, you know, th- that are in at the time. Uh, from you know when the meeting starts mm-hmm. um and, and yeah i think we have until december 1st for expansion teams to enter so there could be um you know some some new teams in the fold from a national perspective and we also learn of the teams that are leaving or folding or perhaps going on a hiatus yeah so that means that next year's conference landscape starts to take shape um at and around the the owners meeting mm-hmm. um so you know that situation is is of course always in flux due to that like December 1st deadline, but you'll note that you was just yesterday or something. The, uh, I thought it was, I guess the Milwaukee torrent dropped a graphic that announced, um, the exit of Sioux falls and the twin stars from our conference as well. And, and, and the Milwaukee <laughs> torrents addition to it, which was kind of a surprise for people. Um, Minneapolis city tweeted out like, eh, this might not be the full picture yet. That December deadline gives me hope that we'll go back up to at least seven teams. Um, what, what are your reactions to the addition of the torrent? <laughs> you want my real reaction? It's your hometown or team. <laughs> right? No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> I have nothing to do with that group of people. Nope. Um, uh, outside of constantly poking at them to play the Bavarians, which they won't <laughs> ever do. Um, yeah, so the addition of the torrent was a little surprising but uh, to us because uh, we hadn't necessarily found out that was a thing. Uh, but whatever. Um, it gives me... A chance, though, Nate, as you know, to go home and get blasted drunk with my family and friends yep. another time this summer. So I'm, I'm all in for that. Um, but the new actually and where they play, there's a bar right across the street, like Perfect. literally right across the street. So uh, you and I will definitely have to make a trip down there uh, this summer. 
Um, so anyways, outside of me fueling my uh, alcohol-filled sports habit um, this summer, um, the news basically that came down was that we're essentially losing three teams in two years, and that's pretty concerning as we – we need those home dates as a, as a club to generate the revenue we do from our ticket sales. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah. for, some, for some reason, Sioux Falls Thunder and Twin Stars were actually our biggest revenue draws on average over the past two years. Plus, we lose a Darbaki rivalry and the chance to kick some beers back with Nigel's mom, which is sad. Um, I do have some, some inside info that there is another group uh, outside of Minnesota that is looking to revive a team in a previous MPSL market. Uh, that would make us really happy, uh, but we're not really able to talk about that publicly until it happens or it doesn't happen. Um, so we'll, we will bring that news once we once we get there and, and talk a little bit about that. I, I kind of shared some info with you off uh, off air here, yep. um, but if that group gets in, uh, they're they're good soccer people. They ha- they have financial backing, so they'd be they'd be good fit in our division. And if for some reason um, we do not get another team in, look for us um, to add some additional friendlies. To capture an additional match date or two, so our fans can get out and, and see as much crow as possible this summer um, as they're used to. But don't forget, Nate, there there are still some, you know, a ton of UPSL home yeah. games and away games that are not too far away from home that everyone can find themselves enjoying. Yeah, so. I mean that's that's the that's the key is you know no matter what we're gonna get a ton of Minneapolis City this this summer. It's just gonna be <laughs> how much of it is U twenty three and how much of it is uh, NPSL. Mm-hmm. Uh, John, were there any big issues addressed at the meeting that you can share? Like, are there any hot nationwide NPSL controversies going on right now? I mean, the big things that were of interest for me was around the U.S. Open Cup that we may or may not get into. <laughs> Who knows? Um, we were told that ESPN Plus would actually have a larger role this year in the lower rounds. So that's encouraging to hear that, uh, you know, if we do make the tournament, uh, perhaps our first or second round game might be televised nationally yeah. um, through ESPN. So, so that's cool. Um, but that also brings things like we'll, we'll need to, um, as a, as a league, not we as Minneapolis city, uh, we'll have to um, level up our compliance to host at venues to make sure that where that's possible. Certain, so, certain so uh, if you, if you pick up what I'm putting down an mm-hmm. internet connection to a press box is probably a starter. Yep. <laughs> um, so, um, but who knows how they'll try to kick us out this year. So we'll see. Um, the other thing was that it was great to hear that we were ranked just behind tech mogul led Kingston stockade as the second best team in regards to streaming matches um, from an uptime perspective on my Kuju. So, uh, you know, and that again is a, a preferred streaming partner of the MPL, MPLS uh, or MPSL. So um, yeah, man, Sweet. Uh, to Tyler and to the production crew. Thanks a lot for nailing it. Um, here's to another year of uptime. That's great for all our international friends. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I mean, nothing huge, Nate, I guess. Um, it, it's pretty much a, a block and tackle meeting and, uh, and, and outside of, yeah. And then just some partying and outside of, um, uh, you know, the, the addition to our conference, nothing really new to report until we find out a little bit more, uh, before December 1st. Gotcha. So you mentioned last show, uh, on the last show with Adam, that open trial dates were coming that happened this past week. And that means it is truly the kickoff to, uh, to the next season, because that's the first organized activity uh, that leads to the on-field product. You and I have talked at length a number of times on this podcast about what it means for us as a club, what the open trial um, brings us and, and how valuable it can be. But maybe you can tell us more about how this open trial specifically went. 
Sure. So this year's the uh, this year's first trial saw 38 players attend, which is simply about how many we get per trial. Uh, and I can say that each trial that we put on, we have an increased level of talent um, than we got in previous years, which is encouraging. So yes, there there are players that are not quite ready for this level, you know, that we play at, um, whether it be the MPSL or the UPSL. Um, but we still have them come out and give it a go and showcase their skills for us in a in a you know a, a professional environment. This year, we did have a few players that uh, returned to the trial um, from previous trials, and and they really took our advice and kept playing, and and you know they they did get better. So out of the thirty eight guys, it looks like we're gonna invite maybe three to four players into the next round of trials, hmm. which is kind of typical uh, from a numbers perspective, which is um, you know which we we've seen in the past, yeah. but it is definitely important important. Yeah, right. Exactly. You know, four out of 38 isn't bad. Um, but it is important to note, Nate, that last year we saw two players get signed and become regular starters for us through the open trial. So if you don't make it this year, um, like Coach Coach Matt says at, at the end of it, it's, it's a no for now, but it's not a no forever. So keep at it. Um, continue to support the club. We really appreciate the guys that come out. Um, and, you know, we, we'd love to see them out at our games and supporting the club because uh, – you know, soccer is great for everyone, right? Yeah. So who who's there evaluating the talent alongside you and and Matt and Adam? Well, we had uh, the full coaching staff. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I'm necessarily privy to say who's all doing what, yeah, but um, but um, you know, we had um, we uh, Derek Johnson, who's our goalkeeper coach, unable to make it. So so Adam stepped in, being that that was a previous role that he had with us in the early years of Minneapolis City. So Adam was there working with the goalkeepers. Um, myself, I had, uh, I had, a. T- uh, there were four dedicated teams out of the 38. Um, I had one team that I followed throughout the whole, the whole evening, um, mm-hmm. from, from warm up to some technical work to, uh, some free play. Uh, Amin, who is, uh, is, was on the coaching staff last year, had a team, uh, Steve, who was on the coaching staff last year, had a team. And then, um, we actually, um, were graced with the presence of one Mr. Jeremy Handler, who has, um, as we know, step aside and, uh, and Ryan Nichols has been elevated to the, um, to the, the coaching position that he vacated. Um, so he came to evaluate a team, which then what it really did, Nate, was it allowed Matt and Ryan the ability to kind of float around and talk to the evaluators and say like, you know, what are you seeing? Who should I be looking at? So it gave them more focus than in previous years past. Uh, um, and- <laughs> Oh, especially with the guys who um, who sign up that that uh, that need that uh, are not necessarily at the caliber of others. Uh, we tend to see some injuries with those folks. Um, but no, uh, we got out, we got out of there alive. No one no one died, so it's good. Um, so it's basically it's um, it's kind of an all hands on deck. Uh, Daniel Warner, who's the president of Stegmans, was out there mm-hmm. evaluating some talent to see if there's anyone that he can bring in to uh, to the, the the secondary arm of of the Minneapolis City Triangle. I guess you could call it. Yeah. Uh, but he was out there as well, evaluating some talent. Nice, cool. Uh, how many more rounds of open trials throughout the winter are coming up before the the college kids get home, or are we looking at maybe the next one coming up over the over the December January break when it, when all those kids will be back? That will be the next step. Okay. We will. We always do have one more open trial in the you know the April time period for the people who tried to sign up for the first one but couldn't because we, we want to give everyone 
an opportunity to get a look. And, you know, we, we found that that trial in particular is usually the highest caliber of talent because the college players are done with their spring season. They're officially done with college soccer for the year and they're, and they're coming through. And I know it's, it's a, it's a trial that a lot of the, the Mayak coaches um, definitely promote to their players when they have their exit interviews for the guys that we haven't already identified that we're inviting into our preferred trials, which are over that, that break. So to, to answer your question, the true next step in theory is our, invite only combine that we have during the winter break. Okay, cool. Uh, I guess last question is what next time you see Adam, uh, I'd like you to ask him like how it feels for him to be getting beat in fantasy premier league by my <laughs> son. I mean, Hey, no one, no one loves soccer. So, <laughs> so if it tells you anything, United States soccer federation, if you have people who are dedicated and try hard and have enough knowledge and skill, they will be successful in evaluating and putting out a proper side. Yeah. That's for sure. Uh, well, uh, so open trials, uh, will give people updates as they, as they continue on. But, uh, for now that was, uh, it's a good update. Thanks, John. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, before we close it out, I think this show in particular, will have a lot of updates for people, um, so, you know, stay, stay close to your, your podcast feed, uh, to, to make sure that you're, you're listening, um, as we get closer to the December 1st date, we'll talk a little bit more about the invite trials and, and kind of who we're bringing in. Um, maybe some, some people of interest in the local market, but also some people nationally that have gone, uh, uh, to, to other schools. So we'll talk a little bit more about, I think all the topics that we've, um, we've touched on, including providing some updates on our next open trial. That'll be, you know, after the holiday break. So Sweet. that is, that is all for tonight, folks. Nate, you made it on your return. You made it back. I did it. It was, it was good to have you. Now is the hardest part of the show, <laughs> especially after all the old granddad I had to fuel that first rant. Um, <laughs> excuse me. There you go. Thank, thank you as always to our sponsor summit brewing company. Winter is coming. And Summit Winter Ale is here and ready to help you take it in the face. In the face. Get some at your local liquor store or watering hole today. Summit, a more meaningful brew <laughs> since 1986. Uh, you read that without pre-reading it. That's cool. Yep. If giving, I've not read any of this. Um, if giving back to the community means a lot to you, maybe it's time to give to the club that gives back. Minneapolis City is a 501c3 that provides a safe and reliable, fun environment for young people to play the beautiful game. Look for us this off-season hosting play events and in partnership with community centers around the city and consider a tax-deductible donation to a truly city-focused organization. Dramatic pause. <sighs> There's never a bad time to become a member of Minneapolis City. For less than the price of two full tanks of gas, I did the math, $65 allows you to support <laughs> the club and get some cool stuff in return. Yeah, you get an exclusive membership scarf, membership card that gets you 10% off at the club shop and deals at Summit, on Summit at our official game day bar, Palmer's. Plus, you get a vote on important club matters, including selecting the membership board and choosing the scarf and kit designs. Visit, visit MinneapolisCitySC.com and make it happen, people. Do you have anything you want us to cover in the offseason? Any hard-hitting exposés? You were hoping that we'd undertake any old granddad rants, if you will, that we won't get us fined by the league. 
<laughs> send us mail. It's easy. Hit us up on Twitter at people's pitch or through email at mcsepodcast at gmail.com. All questions, comments, and concerns are welcome. And finally, as always, you can complain to the club at MPLS city SC. <laughs> that is all for this week. The return of Nate. Yes. <laughs> Success. We'll be, we'll be back um, at uh, probably at a more accelerated uh, schedule of maybe once a week, maybe once every two weeks, depending upon the fact that Nate has a newborn at home uh, with some really good offseason topics. So please stay tuned. I am John. That again is Nate. Welcome back. We'll see you next time. And you got hooked. Poster burning maple weeds, cradle major keys. Thinking back, I've been major since the minor league. So supreme, too much sauce off my olive NMDs. I can staple steez, bend the goat so I get the cheese. Never fall, rake them leaves and make sure every moment gets seized. And everything I see is make.